And this is a great Sunday. Once again, I know we said this earlier, but if you're our guest, welcome. We are so excited that you're with us. If this is your first time here at NCC or if you're watching this later this week online, thanks so much for joining us. And this is a great Sunday as we celebrate all that God is doing. And if I haven't personally met you yet, my name is Aaron and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And as Alita mentioned a moment ago, we're a church that's passionate about making people in places new. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We're celebrating all that God is doing and we're celebrating what's taking place here at our church. And this morning, um, man, I've been excited about this message for a few months now. A number of months ago, I had the privilege of being in a room full of pastors. There were about 30 of us. And um, uh, a guy that's been a pastor in my life, Pastor Scott Wilson at the Oaks Church, he had us together and he was sharing some visions, some things God was speaking to him. And we took a moment where he shared a message with us and we took communion together. And we remembered the sacrifice of Christ. And man, God just did something amazing in my life. God spoke something. And at the end of that, I felt like God challenged me, hey, we need to do this as a church. This is something that God wants to speak to us. And so I've been praying and fasting and I've asked some of our leaders this week because I believe this morning God wants to do something in this room. And so I don't know if you came, how you came this morning or what your week has been like, but I believe this, that God wants to speak something new into our lives. God wants to do something amazing that his presence is here. And so I just want to kick off the message today by praying. So I want to ask if you would pray with me and let's just open our hearts for what God wants to say and what God wants to do in this place. Lord, we come before you, God, and we just say thank you for your presence in this room, Lord. You're already here. We know that, God, as we worship, Lord, as we give, as we sing, Lord, as even as we connect with one another, God, your presence is in this room. And so now we ask, take away every distraction, God, and help us focus in on what you want to say. I pray even right now, Lord, begin to prepare our hearts for freedom in our lives. Lord, those of us that need that, God, healing for those of us that need healing in our hearts, God, that you want to speak, Lord, not just information to us, Lord, you want to bring transformation inside of our lives. So even right now in this moment, God, prepare us for what you're wanting to do, God, and what you're wanting to say. And we pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about covenant. Covenant is a different word. Like we don't use that word a whole lot. And when I started to think about that, really the only thing I could think about was the contract. I don't know if you've ever purchased a home, but a couple of years ago, um, my wife and I, we, we bought a home and we sat down like with the realtor at that final thing and they put a book in front of us. Now, if you guys have ever done this, and for an hour and a half, we're signing papers, right? Like over and over again. And probably about 45 minutes, they could have asked me to, to give anything. And I was just like, okay, I just want to be done with this, right? I'm not reading the pages anymore. Like I'm not looking over anything. It's just this contract. And after we get done signing, they give us the keys. We go on our way. They go on their way. They've never called me. Okay, they've never followed up with me. It's just a contract, right? Like it's just a quick thing um, that I'm gonna agree to pay them and they're gonna agree not to take my house back from me when I do that, right? And so that's what I was kind of thinking of is a contract or maybe when you think of like an agreement, you think of getting an update on your smartphone, right? And what do you do? You just scroll to the bottom and you click agree. You don't know what Google's asking you for. You don't know what Apple's asking you for, what they're actually, you're agreeing to. You're just scrolling through, right, on that app and saying, hey, I click that I agree. And that's more of a contract. But when I was thinking about covenant, I think about something different. I think about July 25th, 1998, when I stood with my wife in front of a room like this 
and we made a covenant with each other. And in that moment, in front of God and in front of our, all of our friends and our families, we made a covenant and I stood up there and I promised to her that I was going to love her, that I was going to be faithful to her, that I was going to protect her. And there was a weightiness to that moment. It wasn't just like kind of flippantly scrolling through something. There was a weightiness to that moment. And it had to do with relationship. See, because this was going to continue, and I was promising that I wasn't going to give myself to anyone else, that I was going to protect her and take care of her. And so when I was thinking about covenant, I thought about there's something about that. That word just carries a little bit more weight. And so I want us to look at that this morning, what God means when he talks to us about covenant and what this looks like and what this has to do with us taking communion together and remembering God's sacrifice. You know, covenant, it is a big deal. And if you go back in history, it was a really big deal. And I started studying like what covenant means and different types of covenants that were there. And so if we go back thousands and thousands of years, covenant was important because it was a different culture. And if we were a tribe together, if you had a, a small tribe of people, there were some things you were focused in on. Okay. Every day you didn't just go into your little hut and turn on the water. You had to walk, you know, sometimes miles to a river to get water, right? You had to take care of your crops and the agriculture. You had to think about providing and protecting for your family. You had to think about your livestock. Like there were all of these things. And so a lot of the small tribes, they didn't have a way to protect themselves. And so they were open. If someone else came in and tried to attack them, they didn't have time to develop weapons because they were just doing this. And so what did they do? They made a covenant with someone else. And so they would go to someone that did have more resources, someone that did have more provision, someone that did have more things. And they would say, hey, we want to enter into a covenant with you. We want a relationship with you. And so they would go to a king or whichever kind of was the ruler of that area, and they would enter into a covenant. Now, sometimes that covenant wasn't a good deal because you would give that ruler like money or you would give that ruler maybe some funds and you would just hope that he would protect you. There was no 911 call. If someone came in to attack you, you would hope that that ruler wasn't a jerk and that they would actually take care of you. But sometimes there was a different kind of covenant and it was called this. It was a fictive kinship, which I know may, may be a word that doesn't make any sense to you. So let me explain this. This was a different covenant, a fictive kinship. And what this means is you can maybe kind of determine theirs. You weren't actually blood related. You weren't actually family. But as you came into this covenant together, it became like a family bond. And so what would happen is you would come as a small tribe, you would come as a small group of people and say, hey, we can't protect ourselves. We don't have infinite amount of resources. And so we want to enter into this covenant with this king or ruler. And he would say to you, this is going to be a fictive kinship covenant. This is what this means is we're not family, but I'm bringing you in like family. And not just as a king, not just as a ruler, but I want to be as a father to you. I want to protect you. I want to take care of you. I want you to know that I love you and that I have your best interest in mind. It wasn't just a regular covenant. It was a fictive kinship covenant. And you actually became like sons and daughters. You weren't slaves. You weren't servants. You weren't just someone that kind of cashed in your money and hoped that person would protect you. No, that person loved you. It was a bond that was connected between this ruler and now this group of people. And he said, I will be like a father to you and you will be like my sons and daughters. And this is the imagery that we get in the scriptures when we look at God. And so this is what would happen is you're there in your tribe, right? Right. 
And you've made this covenant with this ruler, with this king, and you know that he's there to protect you. And whenever someone comes in to attack you now, they're not just attacking you, they're attacking the king. Whenever someone comes up against you now, it's not just against your small tribe. No, there's this king, there's this father in your life now that says, I have your best interest in mind. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to make sure you have exactly what you need. It's a father figure in your life that wants the very best for you. And that's what we see with God. This is the kind of covenant that God makes with us. It's a fictive kinship covenant. And what does that mean? It means when the enemy tries to come in and attack your finances. God says, that's not just an attack against you. I take that personal. That's an attack against me. When the enemy tries to come and Satan tries to come in and destroy your relationship, God, as a parent, would kind of wells up and he says, no, not with my son, not with my daughter. My covenant is with that individual and I'm going to protect them. I'm going to put my hand upon them. I'm going to place my covering and my protection over them. This is the picture that we see in scripture. This is the covenant that God wants to make with us as his individuals and as his people. And so how do you get in this kind of covenant? What does this look like? Well, it it happens in a few different ways. It starts with an oath. And if you've been around church, this looks like and this mirrors our relationship with God. It starts with a confession of you would go to that king, you would go to that ruler, and you would simply confess, hey, I can't do this on my own. I can't fix this stuff by myself. I can't take care of everything on my own. I don't have the resources. I don't have what I need. And so I want to come into relationship with you. That's what we do as Christians. That's what we do as believers is we lay down our life and we come to God and we say, hey, I can't fix my problems on my own. I can't do it all on my own. And so God, I want to come in relationship with you with you. And it starts with an oath. It starts with a declaration or a proclamation of God. I need you inside of my life. That's how this covenant was made. And then it was sealed with the sacrifice. And so what would happen is this king or this ruler would come from a distant place and he would bring a representative and all this group of people, they would come together and they would have a representative and they would make a sacrifice. And so they would take an animal, they would take a bull or a goat Now, let me pause here. I did ask the staff how we could make a visual illustration of this. And we thought cutting an animal on stage probably would be a bad idea. So let me grab these real quick, okay? These are going to have to be our animals um, here this morning, okay? So this is part of the animal. Just stay with me here for a moment, okay? This is the other part of the animal here. And so what you would do is you would take whatever animal you were that you were sealing the sacrifice with and you would cut it in half. I don't know how you do that, you guys. Like I just tried to think about that for a second. How do you cut an animal in half? But they would do that and they would cut half of the animal and they would lay it out over here on this side. And then they would take the other half of the animal and they would lay it out over here on this side. And this covenant was sealed with a sacrifice. And then what would happen is a representative, someone from that group of people, they would stand in the middle of the sacrifice. And with the king watching, with that that ruler watching, that person that was entering that family kind of covenant and relationship, there would be a representative and they would start to declare the oath. And they would say, you would be loyal to, you will be loyal to the king. 
And whoever that representative is, they would start to walk kind of in this infinity circle here, and they would repeat that. We will be loyal to the king. You will love the king. We will love the king. You will trust the king's provision. We will trust the king's provision. And they would walk kind of in this infinity symbol, back and forth, back and forth, reciting the covenant, saying, this is the oath, this is the promise that we're making. Now, they did this for a reason. And what it was symbolizing is, hey, if we as a people, if we violate this covenant, if we go find a different king, a different ruler to be the Lord over our lives, that's treason. And this is what we're saying can happen to us. We will take the physical punishment in our own body. Like, let our lives be ripped apart. Let our physical body be torn apart. If we violate this covenant, if we go against this family kind of relationship, this love that our father now, this ruler has for us, if we violate this, then this is what we're saying. This can happen to us. Do this to us. And so it was this covenant that was happening. And everyone else there, all of the tribe, all of the witnesses, they would declare that. Yes, we declare that. That's what we're going to do. Let that happen to us if we violate this relationship that we're entering into with our king, with our father. That's what they would say there. And then lastly, it was kind of sealed together. It was signified with a covenant meal. And so you would sit down and you would eat a meal together. And I love this part because this is the ruler not just leaving. It's not the king running off, but he's sitting down and he's eating with you. And I can imagine there's laughter and they're talking and they're celebrating and they're sharing food together. And so it's because there's relationship. This isn't about someone just taking off and going back to their castle. No, there's relationship signified in that covenant. The king wanted to be close to those people. He wanted to be near to them. And so you see this powerful picture of what God does in our life through this example of what happens with covenant. And I want us to look at scripture, Genesis chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, we see a picture of this. Something amazing happens here and, and it shows us what Christ did. So Genesis chapter 15, we're going to start reading at verse eight. And we pick up with the story of a man named Abraham. Now, you need to understand this. Abraham, throughout all scripture, is representative of God's chosen people. He's a representative of people of faith. And so God's making a covenant with Abraham. He's making, just like we talked about, this is a covenant. And God's making a covenant. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you all the land that you walk on. And what does Abraham do? Just like we talked about. He says, God, how do I know you're going to actually do this? In verse 8, Abraham said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? How do I know this will actually happen? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with the dove and a young pigeon. And Abraham brought all of these to him and he cut them in two and he ranged the half opposites each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. And so there were birds of prey that came down on the carcass, but Abraham drove them away. So this is a familiar picture with what I just described. Abraham's like, okay, I know what's about to take place. He cuts the animals in half. He lays one side over here, one side over here. Abraham probably even steps up. He's getting ready because he's saying, God, if you do this, I'll do this. We're about to make covenant with one another. God, if you do this, this is what I will do. And he's stepping in the middle to represent the people of God, to represent the people of faith, saying, God, this is the promise we're about to make with each other. And this is where the story takes a twist. Because God takes Abraham and he puts him to sleep and he sets him off to the side. 
And this is where the story continues. In verse 12, it says this, as the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord said, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated, but I will punish the nation that does that to them. What's happening? It's the father saying, hey, someone tries to attack you. I've got your back. I'm your protection. I'm your provision. I'm going to rescue you. When your descendants come up against someone else and something befalls them, know that I am the God that will be there for them because of this covenant we're making here. I am Father God, and I'm going to take care of them because of that relationship. And he says, I'll punish that nation. And afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. You will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at an old age. And in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back for the sins of the Amorites. So God's reciting that. This is the covenant. This is what I'm going to do. But then this is what happens. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and it passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give this land. Now, wait a minute. That's not how a covenant is made. Because Abraham, God is the ruler. He's the king. He's the father. Abraham should be standing in the middle, reciting the covenant, saying, God, this is what you promised to do. This is what we will do. This is what we'll do as the people of God. We'll be loyal and we'll be true to you. But God doesn't let Abraham do that. Why? Because he knows we break covenant. Church, you and I, we break covenant with God. And God knew what would happen if Abraham stepped in the middle of that and said, hey, let this happen to me. If we ever break covenant, God knew what would happen to mankind. Man, I practiced this four times this morning and I just broke down every time because Jesus steps in our place. You guys, Jesus steps right here and he says, you can't fulfill the covenant, but I can. And humanity, when you mess up, he knew what happened in Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve sinned and he said, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to break covenant. And I don't want this to happen to you. So I will be the sacrifice. And Jesus is that flaming pot and he's that flaming torch that steps in the middle. And he says, I will make covenant with my people. And when you break it, when you fail, when you mess up, when you make mistakes, I will be the sacrifice that will take your place. Let this happen to me, God. When humanity messes up, I will be that person so that you can know the love of the Father, so you can be in relationship with God. And there's something powerful there. And we see this when you fast forward, this imagery that Jesus gives, what happens in Matthew chapter 26? Jesus sits down at a covenant meal with the disciples. Matthew 26, 26. This is one of the last things that Jesus does And I have to imagine in that moment, he's remember walking in the middle of that sacrifice, walking in the midst of that, remembering, God, if humanity messes up, if they violate this covenant, that you'll be their God and will you be your people? I will be the sacrifice. I'll take their place in the midst of that. I'll allow my life to be torn apart. I'll allow my life to be ended so that I can take their place because I want them to know you as a loving father. And he's sitting there in Matthew 26, 26. And what does he do? He has a covenant meal. They start eating together. And he takes some bread. And he says, hey, we're in this together. We're one body. And this is representative of my body. And it's broken for you. 
It's about to be pierced for you. It's about to be bruised for you. But as you eat this, whenever you eat this, you're entering into covenant with me. It's saying, hey, we're together in this. We're brothers and sisters with Christ. We're co-heirs, if you will. We're the children of God. And Jesus saying, hey, I'm coming as a representative of the covenant to give myself. What else does he do? He takes a cup and he says, this represents the blood. This is my blood that was shed for you. This thing runs deep. This isn't just a surface contract. This is a covenant of relationship and my blood is being spilled for you. And every time you do this, every time you come and you eat this covenant meal, every time you do this, you're remembering my death. You're proclaiming that covenant. You're rehearsing it again. You're reciting it again. God, it's your love that we want in our life. God, we want to be faithful to you. God, we want to be loyal. You're remembering that Jesus stepped in our place because we broke that covenant with God. That's what he said is happening. That's what's taking place. And we see this powerful picture as Jesus gives his life on the cross, as he takes our place as a representative so that you and I can become sons and daughters of the Most High, so that we can be sons and daughters of God, so that we can enter into this covenant relationship. And so that's what we're about to do. We're going to take a moment here and we're going to take communion together. And in case you're unfamiliar with that, it's where we do what Jesus did. We take a piece of bread and we remember Christ's body that was broken for us. We take a cup and we drink that. and We remember his blood that was shed for us. But as we enter this time, we're going to do this differently than we typically do or how this typically works here at this church. Because Paul encourages us, this writer of the New Testament, this is a few decades after the time of Christ, he's writing to a church and he says, hey, as it comes to this covenant meal, to the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, you may have heard it referred to in a number of different ways. He said, I don't have anything good to say about you. He said, you're messing this thing up. And it was actually a meal back then, okay? There wasn't just a piece of bread and a drink, but there was food. And he said, some of you are coming early and you're picking out at the table of the Lord. And it's selfish. What he's saying is you're not noticing anyone else around you. You're only here at this church service for what you can get out of it. And you even come to the Lord's table like that. God, what are you gonna give me? What are you gonna do for me? And he said, no, this is a body. That's not how we approach the Lord's table. And some of you are filling up and you're even getting drunk and others of you don't have even a way to celebrate the Lord's table. And he's like, that's not what God meant to do in this covenant meal together. And so Paul challenges us, you need to examine your heart. When you come to the Lord's table, you look at your own heart and you say, God, is there anything, Lord, that I've done, God, that's not been forgiven? Am I approaching this table, God, and I'm still living in violation of my love relationship with you. And Paul challenges the church. I mean, he's very serious and he says, hey, be careful because if you live like this, some of you have gotten sick. You're facing pain and illness inside of your body. Others have even died because they did not approach the table of the Lord with the real understanding of what it means to enter covenant with God. And so he said, you need to examine your heart. 